What's up, dude? Hey, man, how's it going? Well, uh, welcome to episode 11. Hey, we're in, uh, we're in double digits plus one. We are cruising. At a snail's pace. <laughs> we, we try so hard. God, life is so busy. But we're, we recorded uh, last week before quite possibly the best baseball game in the history of baseball games. Yep. And uh, we're jumping on this week. We're probably going to record uh, a couple more this week. Uh, because you're uh, you're flying solo, solo you might hit a tree this yep. weekend. We're doing it. Looking for the first special guest appearance from. We'll just say a mystery guest is what we'll leave him at now. Yeah, we will. But we can promise that it will be great. He's just such a special human being. He has at least the dirtiest collection of old T-shirts I have ever seen. That is great. Um, so true. Also, not only is he our first guest, he doesn't know he's going to be our first guest. Neither does he know that he's even going to be on the podcast. Um, he's expressed interest in being on it in the past. And so we're just going to call him. If he's listening to this episode and he thinks it might be him, he's not correct. True. True. And he probably <laughs> won't hear this until after he's actually on. So. This should be interesting. Can't wait. Um, what uh, What do you think? All right, so we're we're gonna address the elephant in the room up front tonight. Um, we will not be talking about the presidential election. I I know people are uh, frustrated and and um, or elated and and they feel like something has happened. The country is moving in one direction or another. The only thing that Billy and I will say is please, as a, as a nation, as a group of people, and I think young people are pretty good about this, so I, I think our friends and our family will, will do a good job, but please stay together. It does not do us any good to continue to move the divide that uh, has, has shown itself in this country recently um, further apart to make it bigger. We, the vast majority of this country still believes in the things that we want it to believe in. I promise the numbers still say that despite what happened this week. Um, and I think you can obviously tell, you know, where Billy and I stand on it, but, but our message, like so many other people, and I've been so happy to see this is to stay together and to keep working to keep driving for a culture of acceptance and love and empathy. Um, and we will be all right. So let's, uh, let's leave it at that. Let's stay positive. Very well put. Let's stay together and let's keep moving forward. Um, if we allow this divide that, that seems to have been created in our country, get bigger 
We will be proving the people that said that there's something wrong with it, that America is broken. We'll be proving those people right. And we can't do that. So let's go, man. Um, what We're going to leave the sports topics up to Billy tonight. Usually we collab, but I've, I've got a few few tidbits in mind. NBA season's rolling, which is interesting. NFL is in full swing. The Browns are awful. Billy was at game. Billy was at game seven of the World Series. Yep. I don't know if he wants to tell us all about that. Well, we touched on this earlier uh, last week. Cleveland Cavaliers at the apex of their sport. Cleveland Indians, seven games in the World Series. Cleveland Browns, shit, man, <laughs> just a real, real low. We're uh, steaming football. By currently a mile. getting uh, getting spanked in the. Thursday night game, so eh, yeah, about to go to zero and ten. You know what? Yeah, you know what though. Here's here's something that I thought of the other day. This is actually going to be a true test. I think they're actually going to be pretty good in a couple years it's because Paul D. Podesta, who Jonah Hill's character, but not actually Jonah Hill's character, because he was like the only person in all of the Moneyball movie that had a problem like uh, relinquishing like the rights to his name and everything. But he's now like the general manager or president of football operations or whatever it is. He's running the Cleveland Browns. And we haven't seen the Moneyball thing ever really happen in football. He's the first one to really like get into football. And I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. But based on what he did in baseball, I, I'm I mean – I'm guessing it'll probably work in football. And what I mean by it is just trying to find or finding and using different ways to evaluate players versus the typical, especially in football, very popular eye test, which I feel like is a very, um, a very, very common one. Or it's like, all right, what do they bench? What's their 40 time? What's their uh, the shuttle run time? what's their vertical like you know the typical things that you see at the combine yeah so you know and and they're stocking up draft picks you know they're going 0 and 10 you know the system's set up this way when you're really shitty you get the best draft pick and it's meant to create parity and have teams be really bad for a while and then be really good for a while like the astros for example who were Mm -hmm. so bad for so long but then they stockpiled you know, top five draft picks, and now they have, you know, three or four of the best 10 young players in baseball. So I'm interested to see if the Moneyball stuff works in football. And yeah, obviously we'll, they we'll have the see. right guy running the show. Yeah. I I think it, football is so difficult because if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win. But also you need so many more pieces than you need on a basketball team or you need on a baseball team because guys get hurt so much more often. It's such a war of attrition. You really have to be deep. You really have to be lucky, um, and you got to have a quarterback. And right now, there's a few teams in the NFL, Cleveland included, that do not have any of those things. Um, will you just tell everybody what being at Game Seven of the World Series was like already? Yeah, but it was nuts. It was so cool. Um, it, you know, across the board, everyone that I was there with, uh, Cubs fans. Indians fans, everybody has had the same thing to say, and I can't echo this sentiment enough, that seeing the Cubs win the World Series in Game 7, ending a 108-year drought, 
was one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life, but one of the craziest sports moments I've ever seen in my life occurred in Game 7, and it was not the Cubs winning. When Rajay Davis hit the two-run homer to tie the game, the place went berserk, and it was the craziest atmosphere, the craziest moment of anything I think I've ever been to in my life, and it just hit you where it was like, oh my God, it's happening. You didn't know what it was going to be, but you always had this feeling when they're up 5-1, that it's the Cubs, like, this is what's supposed to happen. They're going to be up like this, but it's going to get to a point where something is going to happen because this is a cursed franchise and something crazy <laughs> is going to happen and they're not going to win because you can't, you just can't see them winning in your head because you've seen so many times in the past, you've seen them collapse. So Chapman, the most dominant closer, arguably, in baseball who throws 105 hadn't, miles an hour hadn't given up a home run since he joined the Chicago yeah, I Cubs. think June was the last time he gave up a home run yeah and he comes in and under weird circumstances he'd thrown a lot of pitches the night before uh when they were up five I think he threw 46 pitches um and they were up five runs or say but but Joe Madden just wanted to know for a fact like we're getting the game seven so maybe he's a little rusty, and I actually wanted to talk to some people about this that have played at the major league level. Maybe Wes could elaborate on this for us one day. Um, but, I mean, Chapman is a guy who is mostly just fastball, 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 fastball. He'll mix in a slider every now and then. He throws 103, tops out at 105 miles an hour. But all of a sudden you're fatigued a little bit, and maybe now you're topping out at 100 and your fastball is sitting 97, 98. It all would seem the same to us, but I would love to know, as a major league hitter, how big is the difference between 103 and 99? You know what I mean? Does it make you hittable? Like, does that is was that the difference? Is that why he was kind of knocked around a little bit? But, I mean, either way, that home run was the craziest moment because Rashi Davis isn't really a home run hitter either. I mean, you got he was choking up second. on the bat. Yeah, he was choking up on the bat like a like a little like us in little league. Yes. And like the bat was too big for him. All you're thinking is, okay, they're like five outs away. Like, what's going on? And then they hits, he hits the home run. The place goes absolutely nuts. It was the, it was like the whole building was shaking. Everybody had their hands on their head just thinking, oh, my God, how is this happening? I cannot believe this is happening. Cubs fans are, are, oh. are ready to just head back to the airport and get back <laughs> to Chicago now. I can't believe I spent all this money on this shit. But – it was it was so cool and it and then when you know when they actually won it 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 was weird cuz it wasn't and there were a lot of cubs fans there but it wasn't as emotional and crazy as that home run was cuz that home run what more could you ask for than a tie game between the cubs and the indians like two franchises that hadn't won a world series in 150 years in the eighth inning of Game Seven of World Series, it gets no better. It was amazing. So I, well, you know, I'm very happy to have been there. It was it was very I, cool. I uh, there's so much to get into about the series, the drought. Um, how many stitches are in a baseball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was very cool. hundred, hundred and eight. Like the the all these quirky things that happen. Plus. The, the franchises that were involved, plus the moves that got made. And, and we talked about it 
after game six when we got when we got on, Madden had in his head in game seven he was gonna go Hendricks. Uh or no. Uh Montgomery, who was the starter for Yeah, the Hendricks. I actually Hendricks. I went back and listened to it. We actually hit on a lot of the stuff there. Yeah. Hendricks, he was gonna go to John Lester when Hendricks got in trouble, and he was gonna go to Chapman when Lester got in trouble. Like that's the way he was gonna go about winning game seven. And that's why I insert metaphorical uh toot of your own horn in this moment. And that's why he pulled Lester early in game five. Because he knew he was gonna that's what he was gonna do. If he got to game seven, he was gonna go Hendricks, Lester, Chapman. Whether Chapman had pitched the night before or not, it was his it was Madden's like I don't trust guys. And then it sort of bore itself out because the look on Carl Edwards Jr.'s face in the bottom of the 10th inning when he had to come in and try and get three outs, he looked like he was going to cry. He was so nervous. That that poor, tiny, tiny man. He's Isn't so it skin- so weird how he's so skinny and the guy <laughs> just throws gas? Like he he's fun. He's one of my favorite guys on that staff to watch pitch because yeah, he he's so small. It, it you know he kind of reminds me of Chapman. Like when Chapman yeah. first came up, Chapman was a lot thinner. Yeah, and I used to watch him in amazement. Like how is this guy throwing one hundred and five? He's built like I am. Like I, and yeah, uh, you know it's he's impressive thinner. to watch. Yeah, oh much he's thinner than you are. I mean, he's filled out now. Now he's I, I feel like he's. Well, a little bit bigger of a guy, but yeah, no. So I mean, I mean Edwards. Just, oh, Edwards. Oh, Edwards is. I feel like I'm twice the size of Edwards. <laughs> Edwards is extremely thin. Yeah. So fun to it, watch. it's just really fun top to, to bottom. Top to bottom. It was. It was insane. I'm. I'm so happy for you that you were there. Uh, Anthony Rizzo was amazing. I, we could talk about this forever, and I know it's a little bit of old news because it happened like a week ago. But um, Anthony Rizzo was was the best. When he said to to David Ross, he was in a class case of emotion. Yeah, and when that was Zobr- very good stuff. <laughs> when Zobras when Zobras singles and he's like, are singled and he's like on third base with his hands on his head, like a like a sixteen year old. I mean, he he was amazing. They're amazing. Um, Addison Russell is going to be the MVP of the National League at some point with the Chicago Cubs. That kid is clutch, and he's twenty two. Um, David Ross hits a home run in game seven in the last game of his career. And he knows it's the last game of his career. That was awesome. Also a very cool moment. I actually, I said to someone afterwards, my, like that was the perfect, like fairy tale game for the Cubs. And I thought it was amazing, but the only thing I would have changed, maybe they would have pinch hit for David Ross in his last at bat when he walked and then they pinch ran for him. Because mm-hmm. I thought it would have been awesome to go out with your last yeah. plate appearance to have been a home run in Game Seven of the World Series. I I thought that would have would have been awesome. But I mean, story's still there. He had a, an extremely clutch home run that nobody thought he was going to hit. The guy comes off the bench in the fifth inning in the postseason. There was nobody more dominant than Andrew Miller. He's got stuff. Like he he's he's not a, like you know you'll you maybe explain Hendricks as like a crafty guy. That'll hit his spots. Like Miller's coming at you with a 98 mile an hour slider that starts in a left handed batter's box and ends behind your back leg. And he comes in and hits a home run off him off the bench. That was, 
an incredibly impressive at bat. And I, you know, he's a guy that a few years ago, I, most people, probably including myself, until the, his Red Sox title run, I didn't even know who David Ross was. And now, huh. in the last week, between the home run and the SNL appearance and the parade and all that, he, the guy's a household name. I love it. I'm so glad you were there. I'm so glad it that that game. And this is, I think, the biggest thing for me. That game was proof that sports, when when they're at their best, they are as um, captivating as anything on the planet. And people who don't like sports are big dumb dummies. Yeah. You know what? Speaking of big dumb dummies, you know what one of my least favorite, who, who some of my least favorite people are? Tell me. The stick to sports crowd on social media. Like the ones that tell athletes and like announcers, whatever, TV personalities that work in sports whenever they try to get, like if you step outside the realm of your sport, that tweet like, hey, bro, stick to sports. Like I just, I, yeah. I you know, just make it, the last couple of days for obvious reasons, that's been a, a very, very hot topic, especially with the amount of people who have voiced their opinion one way or the other. Um, and I just had, I noticed a lot of that recently and like the people that tell you to stick to sports, it just drives me nuts. Cause you know, just cause I mean, wh- like, what do you do for a living asshole? You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you sell insurance, stick to selling insurance. Like don't talk to any, anyone about anything except for insurance. Like, wh- like who are you to tell someone to stick to sports? Like, is that, are you only allowed to talk about what you do for a living? Like, most of us strive to somehow, when we leave work, do something other than what we actually do. And, it, and we're annoyed by people that we try to socialize with, that all they do is talk about what they do at work. Yeah. We, little we little rant there. We don't but ask. I'm done. <laughs> it's all right. It clearly, clearly somebody on Twitter got to you this week. Yeah, and um, it wasn't even me. It's just like I see other people telling other people yeah, to stick to sports, yeah. and it's a, it's a head scratcher. Yeah, we we love to talk about um, situations and like the hypothetical. We always talk about like, well, what would athletes be like? What would sports be like if they were informed and educated and they talked about more? They stood up for more. And we literally just had four of the most famous basketball players in the entire world be educated at the at the last ESPYS, be educated on the issues going on in America stand up with each other and for people in this country who who believe in them and believe that they can make a difference and people were like, huh, that's nice. And you're like, oh, you big dumb dummies. You've been asking athletes to be informed and educated and use their position um, of uh, you know fame, their their uh, recognition uh, among the American populace to make a difference and they they try and some of them are doing it pretty good right now and, and you can't handle it or, or you don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't, I, I think there's, there's a problem in that situation and it's probably not the athlete who's trying to voice his opinion. Can we talk about, um, the death of vine? We can RIP. It, yeah. it is. I didn't use it as much as you did. I know, I know you did. You, you worked up a little something for the site and, I didn't use it as much. I don't even know if I have it on my phone now, but um, it was a way when it first came out that people became so much um, more creative in the way that they use social media. I remember 
um, people using it in a way that really was uh, innovative. And and I think that it's sad that it's gone. I, I think we talked about this a little bit too, but it was, it was the best way to share a few things. And I know I know you you got some thoughts on that. Yeah, and it it does make me sad that it's it's gone because I, I do think it's the best way to share sports highlights because the like if you think about the way we watch games like the replay is such an integral part of what we do if you're watching a game at home and a crazy play happens you expect to see replay of it and when you don't you're you're like why the hell wouldn't they show replay of that and it almost it almost like bothers you when you're at a game and you see something happen and it was crazy one of your first instincts is like look to the video board to watch a replay of it and so like we're just kind of conditioned to when we see something we want to see it over and over and over again and that's what i enjoyed about vine was if you're watching and you're following the game on twitter unlike other video formats that go into a tweet a vine would loop and it was only six seconds so you're only i mean what you're watching like it's not like you're watching a full replay you're getting just a little bit of what you want to see and you're watching it over and over and over and over and over again. And it was great for for sport like of a dunk. If you're trying to share the a video of a dunk, the best way to do that is to just make a vine of it and watch it over and over again versus if you have a six-second video of someone dunking a basketball and you hit play and then it goes to the end, you drag the playhead back, you, you keep going back and forth. Vines just like made sense. It was, a, it was like a workflow thing. I mean, you look at like how many like the NBA and major league baseball and the NFL to a lesser extent, cause they just changed their whole social media policy. But that's a huge part of what those companies do. And I mean, you're just, you're to take that out. is crazy. It absolutely became a uh, part, a normal part of the social media landscape in the sense that like everybody has a Facebook a lot of people are on Twitter now, and everybody's got an Instagram. Vine for a while was one of those apps that you have, <clears throat> excuse me, that you had and you used and you shared on pretty regularly. And then I don't know if the novelty of it fell off and people went to more standard uh, methods of consumption where links to videos started to become popular on Twitter, and then you could. You could find that, you find what you were looking for in your Twitter timeline, and you didn't have to um, open another app. So that compression that, that Twitter and Instagram really um, helped use to make them them really successful. I think Vine kind of got lost in that. But Vine was owned by Twitter, right? Yeah, which is why what I, what I think is going to happen, they're paying a whole group of people to keep an app going that basically the only reason people post on it, cause nobody is just on vine. There isn't a large enough audience on vine. So really you're just keeping this going. So people could post on there to take a link and then put it on Twitter. So my guess is what Twitter is going to do is they're going to roll out a new feature in their video platform that basically you can have it loop as a vine would. <laughs> Instagram, I do think, killed it because more people are on Instagram and the only reason you would go on Vine was to see stuff like that. And then Viners, so-called Viners, like the 
King Batch and Amanda Cerny and Logan Paul. They all live in one apartment building um, in in Hollywood, which is kind of cool. They just kind of make videos all day together. Basically, all those people started making the same content they were making on Vine on Instagram. So why would you go, if you're already on Instagram and you can see that content, why would you go watch it on Vine? So I think that really kind of did them in. And now Instagram's video platform has expanded to a minute. So you kind of have endless you know, endless limits with your, if you're making short videos versus Vine where you were still, you know, condensed on the six seconds and it just kind of, I think it got left in the dust by Instagram and kind of like how t- Twitter did too. I guess like people love Instagram these days. Yeah. Twitter has less active users now, but there's a use for it because of the idea of all of the information that you select put into a timeline format that you can scroll through in real time. So Twitter will always have an audience and, and mostly it'll be sports and news fans, like people who want breaking news while live events are happening. I would be really surprised if we don't see an even more condensed version of the social media apps that become popular, like Snapchat now eating. We saw Snapchat start to eat into Instagram's um, users and all of a sudden Instagram comes up with Instagram stories it's essentially the same thing yeah. but it's it's native to the site so you're going to start to see apps pop up and then be condensed into more functional forms and I would not be surprised in the near future if as things like this happen Vine is sort of compressed into a feature inside of Twitter Instagram stories is compressed into a feature inside of Instagram um, I wouldn't be surprised if you started to see uh, a mirroring of what happens in traditional media in social media where there are six major developers or, or 12 major apps that kind of everybody uses and they become integrated into your television coverage of live sports or your television coverage of live news. We already kind of do it by posting Twitter timelines and and specific tweets into like news organizations will do that into their broadcast but i would be surprised if it's not integrated if they don't start to become owned by the same people because mainstream media has got to find a way to capture the audience that is going to social media and they can't do it organically uh except for with live sports and and we've talked about the live sports bubble that's that's real that's a real thing um so I would I would not be surprised whatsoever if we start to see a further integration of traditional media and social media because a lot of the money the big money still exists in in traditional media. When I hear something happened, my first thing I check is Twitter. Yep. And it's it's it never fails. I you you never check for something on Twitter and be like, "Ah, there's nothing there." And then you go to like NewYorkTimes.com or CNN.com or USAToday.com, and it's there. It's on Twitter first. It's always going to be best for breaking news, and for that matter, it's always going to be best for sports because everything now is like by the second you follow mm. sports news. It, that That's one thing that I think Twitter's kind of ruining as well, though, that it might be a topic for another day as far as um, what matters most in journalism right now. 
and unfortunately it seems to be who reports something first not who reports something accurately yeah no it's it that's a real that's a real uh training tactic and social media sort of like social media gurus will will come in i've heard this twice at conferences uh i've heard the exact term don't be right be first and that's a little eh, it's a little scary i would much rather report accurate news and know that people could come to my twitter feed and know like what I'm seeing is going to be true versus throwing rumors out there and, you know, being able to put my chest out because I was first on something that, that to me would mean less, but yeah, part of it, I think is cause we went to journalism school and I mean, you know, insert, you know, tooting our own horn yeah. sound again, but, but a pretty good journalism school. I think we had, mentors and teachers who understood that the world was changing the landscape of of news reporting was changing and they needed to to hammer home to us that accuracy was paramount and you know that's it's um it's another change we'll have to navigate uh i think we're probably relatively in touch with it and um that makes us in a decent position to to handle it going forward you know I agree. We went to a fantastic journalism school. We did. We did go to Which, for those of you who are unaware, it's the Donald W. Reynolds School of Journalism uh, at the University of Nevada, which now, let's see, it was the Reynolds School of Journalism uh, when we went there. Mm -hmm. And because we are dinosaurs now, um, (laughs) it is actually, let's see, they have a fancy, fancy name for it now. Um... While you're looking it up, I will tell you that I met Warren LaRude's son. Really? Yeah, his name is Eric. He's a race producer in town, and he's working on a uh, an event with us at work. He is the best. And, and I had met him previously. Like, I'd known him. And I because Warren was there, you were there for uh, one extra year after I was done, I think. But because Warren was on his way out when I was doing my internship, and Warren used to be in charge of our internships. I didn't put it together. I didn't put two and two together that Eric was his son until at dinner uh, two nights ago. Eric was like, oh, you went to journalism school at Nevada? Do you know my dad? And I was like, I do know your dad. I didn't know he was your dad until right now. But yeah, obviously I do. It was, a, it was one of the best moments I've had in quite a long time. We talked about Warren's history and, and how passionate he was about it. And it... it Brought back some some really good memories, some some nice nostalgic memories from getting our degrees from that place. Yeah, definitely. And I found it that degree helped me be really good at googling things. And it is the <laughs> Reynolds School of Journalism and Center for Advanced Media Studies. Ooh, I remember they did like three million dollars of renovation or thirty million dollars. Yeah. I have some some humongous number. I don't obviously. I don't think know it was what it seven is. million. They had a technology right, there you go. for seven million. But, between three and thirty, yeah. um, and it reminded me of the playground that got built right after I left my elementary school, and I was like, "God damn it! Yeah. Things are always happening just as I'm leaving schools." Yeah, so I was actually when, I was upset about it too, because I like I had I was the last semester in the journalism school before they started the renovation, so I remember thinking this sucks because I'm just missing out on it. Not even close. The people that graduated in May of 2010, 11, sorry, semester after I did, 
they had it the worst because their final semester, the journalism school was in the top floor of the business building, mm-hmm. which the elevators were faulty. It was on like the sixth floor. So basically you had to walk up the stairs in there. Terrible, terrible way to spend your last semester of school. So in actuality, it wasn't that bad for me, but. Well, it was a, oh, that was fun. Can we go back? Uh, I would, in next, a heartbeat. Next oh, side project. Next side project. Not another sports culture website, but a time machine. Yes. I think we're smart enough to pull that off. The whole the science thing, we, <laughs> we, we got the stuff. You, you think we're smart enough? I disagree. We, we <laughs> can't figure out volume levels within <laughs> Skype, but we're going to build a time machine. Oh, man. We got this. Yeah, we're all set. All right, well, um, you've been listening to uh, to episode 11 of the 3-9 Culture Podcast. I am Nick Sacramento. The jack wagon on the other end of the phone is still Billy Lee. Listen to it, read it, or you won't. And now that it's over, I'll never be sober. I couldn't believe, but now I'm so hurt. I am Billy Lee. That jack wagon on the other end of the telephone line is Billy Lee. Wait, did I just say your name and my name? You did. You, no, no, you said my name and my name. I was your name you're and your name. You're like, I Hold am on. Billy Lee. Wait a second. the jack wagon Not. on the other end of the phone is Billy Lee. Not. It's and I am talking to myself. <laughs> you, can, you can cut that up. And, or we'll and leave it. It's okay. Put that end of the credit. Yeah. Oh, man. What's your problem? Cause I know it's hard sometimes Maybe just give it some time Oh honey now girl We can solve them If you just give me some time I can open up your mind If you let it shine You can free your mind Cause I